Hi, welcome to Shrinkwrapped. I'm Allison Colarossi here with Dr. David Colarossi, and we are here to talk. Hi. I'm excited. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So you 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 came in hot this morning. You wanted to talk about something. I have been hot on this for like months. Okay. On on the top, and I wanted you to do it on your um, serious podcast, but um, since you didn't do it, we're doing it here. Groupthink. I have been watching the Netflix special on the Alec Murda case, mm-hmm. and I saw a glaring example of groupthink, and I want to talk about it. I don't know if you guys know the story of Alec Murdoch, but his son Paul was in a boating accident with other 19-year-olds. Um, it was a drunk boating accident that um, injured a lot of them, and also one of the one of the people on the boat went missing because they fell out of the boat due to a drunk driving crash on the boat. Hold on. I, I, I haven't watched it. So you have to fill me in. So, so Paul is Alec Murdoch's son who he later kills. He ended up killing him. Yeah. But this documentary is not about that. This is before we kill. Paul. Well, it's in a series. So it's, it's about the family in general, but this is uh, one of the first murders or first, not murders, but the first uh, body that, has to do with the Murdochs. There's the six dead body. bodies. They, what? they, they, the Murdoch family, there's six deaths, known deaths surrounding that family. Okay. It, it kind of reminds me of Yellowstone and taking people to the train station. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> That's the type of family. It's like a powerful family in their area where it sounds like people just had to go to the train station. Anyway, I was thinking about, Paul Murdoch and these 19-year-old kids on a, in a boating accident. They, it was a date night, so there were three couples on the boat, and they drank heavily. Specifically, Paul was inebriated and shouldn't have been driving, and they all mentioned it. They were all fighting with him about it, but he continued to drive. But it's so interesting to me that they fought with him. He, act, he actually assaulted his girlfriend in front of two other males, and and no one stopped him. No one did anything. And I think wait, they're on the boat. Paul's plastered, driving like leaving it unattended, being inebriated, and they ended up hitting a pylon. But before that, they keep being like, "You shouldn't drive. You shouldn't drive. You're too drunk to drive." But they didn't actively like say, "You're not driving," or "I'm not getting on the boat with you." And then during during the episode, while he's driving drunk, he slaps his girlfriend in front of. Um, for other people that still allowed an assault to happen in front of them. And I, I feel like that is group think like no one stepped up to this, this kid um, who was drunk. I, I think if you're that inebriated, you could, and, and there's two other adult 19 year old males on it. They could probably get him to yeah, stop. Paul didn't look like he was a, he's not a foreboding figure. No, he was By the way, just as a, this is off track and I guess rest in peace, but <laughs> They, that family could not look like just, don't they just look like spoiled and wealthy people? Like there's something about just the, the, the way they, I don't know if it's the way they dress or the way that they, the, the cadence of their speech or something, but everything I see from them looks. No, I didn't get that. I mean, I'm sure that he was, I mean, based on like a 19 year old having his own boat and not, and like just always calling grandpa to come like be the fixer, you know? Grandpa is, is gra- grandpa is Alex's dad. Yeah. So like when he would get in drunk driving accidents, like his girlfriend, and I wanted to be like, I wanted to shake her and be like, there's some red flags here many times 
where you're in a drunk driving, you're with him while he's driving drunk constantly in accidents. So that wasn't the first accident you had been in with him where there had been beer in the car. He was drunk driving. He flipped a truck and there were guns and you called 911 for help and he hung up and then called grandpa the fixer to come get you. This, I, I, I can't keep, this just seems like a very convoluted story. Yeah, sorry. Is it possible that the the flag, she was seeing like green flags as far as like money. Is that why she's with him? Are they tolerating him because he's loaded? Well, I I don't know. Probably because of, um, probably because of their family. Like again, I think there's probably other situations, but on TV right now, I, I think of it as Yellowstone, like a very powerful family. Okay. And these friends are part of this, want to be part of this powerful family. So they put up with Paul, who's a drunk and they go on a, so I and feel a like mean drunk. They have a name for him. They call him Timmy when he gets drunk. Okay. He has tardive dyskinesia when he gets drunk. So he can't work his hands. Like they talk about that. Jeez. And the group think is, well, you're, what's the group I, think? I think the group think is number one, how do you get on a boat with someone that drunk? And like, you all are fighting with him about it, but you all are too meek to stop it. To me, that's groupthink. Like, you're just like, oh, well, he's not stopping it, so I'm not going to stop it. Also, groupthink, no one stops him from hitting her. So, like, I, I I feel like if I was a female on a boat watching my best friend be hit by another male, Mighty Mouse would come out and that he his hair would be out of his head. And I would ask for backup from the guys. Okay, I, I have a lot of thoughts. Can yeah. we just take them? Let's just go step by step here, okay? <laughs> the first thing is, as far as him being abusive on the boat, I would tell you this, I, I, would, I think the psychological mechanism is probably less about groupthink and more about, I would just describe it as the bystander effect. I think that there is a diffusion of responsibility. There are five other people besides Paul on the boat, or I guess one person's being hit. So there's four other people on the boat. And I would imagine that they're both, they're all doing like, well, you do it, right? You do it because there is a physical and a social risk to intervening when someone's being abused. And so that happens a lot. Like there's been lots of examples in research of people that are being, that are hurt and need support and they don't get it. Or people that are, you know, being actively injured, being attacked and no one jumps in because there's a diffusion of responsibility. That's a weak society. Then. Okay. I, I agree that it is, but can I just, can I just derail? I got, just, let me make a complaint. Recently on the news, there was a woman that was, and I don't know what her name was, but she was in like her hotel or her apartment gym. And some guy that she had seen before walked into the gym, worked out next to her, was like leering at her, and then eventually attacked her. She fought him off. She pushed him off of her repeatedly, and eventually he gave up. And she like was able to prevent herself from being assaulted or, or, I mean, she was assaulted, but prevent it from going any further. And the news is saying, look how tough this woman is. Don't mess with her. Good thing she was physically fit because that's how she stopped this man from assaulting her. I think it's a miss. And I think that there's a part of me that is, that is concerned with the, like, I like the fact that you think that you're mighty mouse and that you would have dealt with Paul but I worry about the way the media talks about it because it's like in that example of the woman in the hotel or the apartment gym, the guy grabbed her and held on to her and laid on her, but the guy didn't hit her. He didn't slam her head into the wall. He didn't kick her. Like he was relatively mild as far as how he grabbed her. 
I think the reality is that if he wanted to knock her out, if he wanted to kill her, if he wanted to really injure her, he could have. And I don't think it's healthy for, I, I, I wouldn't want you to walk down, put yourself in a dangerous situation because you think, oh, if some guy comes after me, I'm fit and I'll get him off of me. And I feel like the way the media talks about it, it makes it seem like, oh, just the weak women get assaulted, not the ones that are fit. The reality is that if you were Mighty Mouse on the boat and you attacked a adult male, you could get hurt. And that's a real truth. I, well, I think you ha- you're on a pedestal about something else. On, <laughs> well, uh, that is a different topic. There is four other people on the boat, two adult men. Okay, but I'm just on, I, I am on a pedestal about the media, but I am saying I get that you think you'd be Mighty Mouse, but I, I also underst- don't know that you But would. I understand that. And I couldn't help myself. Like if someone was trying to assault me, I couldn't help myself but fight. I can't. It's just who I am. You know that about me. And you're right. I should be careful because there's scary people out there. But on the boat with Paul, if there's two other adult men yes. and two other women, I yes. would feel more confident in saying like, you don't hit her. Yes. Or I'm, I'm going to fight back on her behalf. Okay. Okay, fine. I, I'll give and it to you. And Connor over there, you're going to help me. And Anthony, you're going to help me. So that is, just as a side note, that is the solution to the bystander effect. So if something ever happens and you see someone being hurt or you're being hurt, what you don't want to do is yell, help, help me. What you want to say is, you in the blue shirt, call the cops. You in the green shirt, get this guy off of me. You want to order people to act because once you order them to act, they can no longer have that diffusion of responsibility. You want, you're telling who's doing what. Yes. So the group think piece of this is that they all, the other five people on that boat allowed Paul to drive drunk, right? Yep. Despite themselves. So they all talked about how they were fighting about it, but no one did anything. So there was a diffusion of responsibility. No. Okay. Well, maybe yes, but I I want you to, so the, the, him abusing his girlfriend, I would argue that that's probably the bystander effect. Everybody looking around being like, hey, everybody's saying, hey, stop driving, but they put up with it, I think is groupthink. Groupthink happens when there is, when people are valuing group cohesion over rational thought or critical thinking. Yeah. And so you have all these people that are like, yeah, let's, the, let's let this guy make a bad decision because they'd rather allow it than create friction, create interpersonal friction. And that yeah. leads to horrific decisions. Horrific. And and it's interesting, like, why people, like, I have a hard time going back to Gretchen Rubin's, the, the tendencies. Are we talking about Gretchen Rubin again? Well, or- I'm a rebel. So, like, I will never participate in the group thing because I, like... Like I, I have, I like to take, I like Allison, to, put, you will too participate in group. Thing. I know, Why, you like, have this narrative of yourself. Like you're just like, are you like mad max? Just like rolling through the, where you just do you, uh, what today what, I you think you're today. like, I would be mighty mouse and I'm a rebel. And I'm yes. Everybody is influenced by group thing. Agreed. But today I'm not I'm taking a stand. Okay. <laughs> um, do you have any examples of group thing? The one that stands out to me is like when you were talking about it, I think, on a bigger scale, like when, the way that we went through COVID, I think is a really good example of groupthink. And I, I imagine if I say that, then everybody thinks, oh, well, he's talking about one group as being the groupthink, right? Like the, the, the political right, they, they, all, they had self-identified as like, we're the, you know, you guys are all sheep and we're wolves, right? <laughs> well, you're a group of wolves that all communicate. Right. So it's groupthink on both sides. What I would say is, the fact that you could see somebody wearing a mask and know where they landed politically 
tells you that groupthink, there's such a clear segmentation. And the fact that you you attributed other traits beyond this person's wearing a mask to them means that you're thinking in groups, the mask versus the unmask or the vax versus the unvax. Like we do that naturally. And it's, and the truth is it happens for really good reasons, right? When you are stressed, you will get yourself in like think about it from like a tribal standpoint, the more that you can get into groups, you can defend yourself better. You are protected. It's safer. So when there's ambiguity out there and you're scared, you want to get into a group. Mm-hmm. Like, so there's really good reasons why that happens. It happens because of the stress. It happens if you have a leader that's very directive. And you could argue that we had, for example, during COVID, you had Fauci, who was really clear about his perspectives. And you had Trump, who was very perspective, very clear on his perspectives. And so when you have strong leadership, again, it's safer to collect in those groups. But the, the challenge of it is, I don't, I'll get off my my pedestal here in a second. The challenge of it is once you are in these groups, you become very insulated. And then all of the information that you're learning, and this is true. I don't care if we're talking about mask versus not a mask, or if we're talking about uh, how office dynamics break down, you get into your group, your little factions, and that's the only information that you're willing to receive. And you then judge everybody else outside of your group. And so what happens is it's like, once you slip into a group, it's really difficult to get any external inputs. So even I would tell you, like, even in the Murdoch thing that you're talking about, where I think it is groupthink, that group is probably not going to be receptive to one guy of the group that says, hey, we really should stop Paul from driving, right? It's like once that guy does that, everybody's like, hey, he's being a prude. Like you quickly go into in-group, out-group and don't accept any, can't have any conversation outside mm-hmm. of yourselves. Mm-hmm. Was that too much groupthink? That's, no, that's what I think about. I, d- I just started thinking about my workplace and about the groupthink that happens there. And so I just, yeah. I feel like so many, I mean, it is like a huge part of my job, I think is like, you know, cause I work mostly from, you know, in large part as an executive coach. And it's interesting to see how my clients will view office dynamics. But then if I go out and interview other people, every office has factions and they are always terrible at communicating across them. And even if they do, everybody's like, well, that group is stupid. <laughs> That's the, the, like the, the <laughs> There's this, have you heard of um, naive realism? Is that, no. Naive realism is like the idea that once you have a viewer perspective, we all like inflate our ability to understand anything, even super complex things. We think we totally understand them. And then anybody who disagrees with us, it's not just that like, oh, they have a different view and it's wrong. It's they have a different view and it's because of a personal flaw. They're morally (laughs) bankrupt or they're stupid. And then it's really difficult to hear anything. Do you know what I'm saying? My parents have naive realism. I didn't say that, but (laughs) you could argue they have some intense opinions. My parents are very political. And like, because I'm not, they like think I have a flaw in my intellect. Yeah. I mean, but don't you, but if you think about it. I find it really offensive, by the way. (laughs) It's so, I'm always offended by them. But if you are honest with yourself, do you think that there are things that you view in people whose perspectives you think make them stupid? I mean, there is someone I have in mind. Yeah. Right. In that, in that person, in that person also probably feels the same way. Actually, no, I just, I just think he's stupid. That's okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think groupthink is, I think it's everywhere. And I think there's been good, um, 
I think there's just, if you look at any kind of like national tragedy, when you're looking at like, why didn't people act differently? Like when we're, when we're able to step far enough away from it and you, and you go like, why didn't people respond differently? Oftentimes it's because they were valuing group cohesion. Like that's the dangerous part about it is that if you like think about COVID and the masks, let's just do masks. Okay. Mask or don't mask. People were anxious about what COVID meant and what it would do to our economy and what it would do to our like physical safety. So they, they group up into different, you know, different factions. And then you become so motivated to align with your group because it brings safety to you that you actually depersonalize yourself. What becomes more important is belonging to the group than being an independent thinker. And so what ends up being your sort of marker of who you want to hang out with, how you want to talk ends up being whatever that viewer belief is over who you are and what you actually feel. And so what happens is you eventually end up looking around and you go, oh my God, these people are all very different than me. The only thing we agree on is whatever the topic is, masks in this case. So you actually feel more and more isolated because you have essentially cut out the people that you actually connect with. And then you're more anxious, you're more alone, and then you want to demonstrate allegiance to this group. So whatever your viewer perspective is, you, you um, exaggerate it. You get more extreme, more extreme to demonstrate that you fit your group or your view. Does that make sense? So it's like, you could talk about anything from like, um, you know, we talk about woke culture. Some people in woke culture go, I want to demonstrate how woke I am. So I'm going to go extreme woke. And then that group sort of settles around like, that's what we believe. And then we get more extreme woke, all in an effort to create cohesion and demonstrate group alignment. But very few people right there probably agree to that extreme, but they're just wanting connection. Mm -hmm. and, and the reality is they have none. It's the same on the other side. People that hate the woke culture go to the extreme. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to push back on everything. And we're going to then share views, espouse values that we don't actually align with. We feel alone. And, and now we're aligned with some view that we, that we actually think is crazy. Mm -hmm. I think it's a major problem. I think, well, didn't you feel like last night at dinner, there was a micro example of that with the Vikings? And so oh, I was just so disappointed. <laughs> And I was like, Enzo, why do you like that team? That was Enzo, that was a micro group thing. My Enzo it? comes into me and he goes, Dad. So I'm Enzo's playing flag football. There's room for improvement on catching, so we try to do 30 throws a day, right? I have like a crappy Nerf ball that's really soft. Enzo's, Enzo wants uh, like a hard, small ball that like demonstrates or that that, that looks more like an NFL football. And he goes, Can we get one that has the Vikings logo on it? Like we live in Denver. Like we're getting a Broncos football, okay? <laughs> and I'm like, That's why? Also group I'm, thing. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting out of my group. <laughs> so then, so then he goes, I want a Vikings ball. Why? He goes, well, they're better than the Broncos. Well, maybe this season, but not historically. Like, what do you want? <laughs> and it's just because like the, some kid must have shown up with a Viking ball. That's probably from Minnesota. And then all the kids on the school ground. His dad liked Vikings. Yeah. And so all of a sudden Enzo's like trying to be part of the Vikings group. And I, but I feel myself being like, let me talk to the dad. We're not, no, no, you're a Broncos fan, buddy. So anyway, yeah, I think that is a, my, that's how it happens, right? He wants, he doesn't want to be the one kid that likes, that the, likes Bron the Broncos. And so he'll align with the Vikings. I want to stop that in its tracks. I see it happening so much with, with him. And I'm like, no. Yeah. I want you to lead, not follow. But how do you, that question is how do you stop it? I don't know, I, I don't know how to do it. It's funny. He also, they're playing football. 
And he goes, dad, I, I mossed somebody today. You mossed he, he somebody? He said that to me too. And I was like, what does that mean? I was like, yeah, I was like, you put moss on their head or you, <gasps> what? And he's like, no, no, no. When they were trying to catch the ball, I jumped over and I grabbed the ball. First of all, his, like, <laughs> this is like a little Odell Beckham Jr. As far as like how he describes himself on the field. <laughs> I like the confidence. I, I do like the confidence. It is amazing. His, I love him to death. It's cre Maybe he's just creative. He is emotional. You know that book we're reading, how like emotional people are really creative. He's both of those things. That is the, like that talk about a mom. That's a mother's eye right there. Yes. I would look <laughs> at it and say, he's delusional. <laughs> Cause I can throw the ball with him in the backyard or in the kitchen. And if it hits him right in the numbers, he has a hard time. The idea that he's jumping over somebody. Anyway, Moss, I figured out it's Randy Moss. So like his, some kid's dad must, Have told who played for the Vikings, by the way, must have liked His Randy dad Moss. Played for the Vikings. No, That's Randy cool. Moss played for the Vikings. Oh. And so I think that kid's in the football. His dad likes Randy Moss. And so I think his dad is saying, like, when you catch something that's hard to catch, you've mossed it, like Randy Moss. And so Endo's like, oh, I mossed that guy. And I said, Endo, how did you do that? And he's like, you know, I just mossed him. Like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. Oh, he's yeah. cute. He's really cute. Anyway, thanks for talking about that topic. Yeah. There, is that what you, did that scratch the group think itch? Yeah. The question is, how do you stop it? Well, I feel like you need to be cognizant that it is a thing. Like, are we trying to be part of a group or are we trying to be disruptors in the workplace? Maybe I say that. But is it possible? <laughs> well, you should. But you may run the risk that people will think that maybe you're just saying that because you perceive that you're a disruptor. I don't perceive that. You just said 10 minutes ago, I'm a rebel. No, I am. Right I, after you said, well, okay. I'm Mighty Mouse. So I, I work with very, um, I don't know how to say this, but I work with very strong personalities. And sometimes I feel like I become like, I get bored by listening to them, <laughs> number one. And number two, sometimes I feel like I just let it go, but I want to be like, no, like I don't, I don't agree with you. When everyone's just like nodding their head, I want to say no. So, you know, when I, when I disagree and sometimes I don't do that, so maybe I need to like take on that as an intention. I agree. Actually, I agree. So mm -hmm. I think that that's, that is the, like, I think about it from a, like from an organizational standpoint, the suggestion would be the leadership needs to value dissenting opinions and has to normalize that process. So mm -hmm. instead of saying, does anybody disagree, which no one, if you, if there's group think happening, no one's going to say anything because they don't want to risk the social friction that it creates, but it's better to say, you have to give me the alternative point of view. Oh, I'm going to yeah. wait until like, let's make the rule. We're making a big decision here. What is the alternative perspective? Let me hear what it is. Or you could even say, I know that you three feel really confident in this viewer perspective and you three, you three feel confident in the other direction. I want you to, I want to force you to argue the other person's perspective and let's have that debate. Like what you're doing is you're trying to depersonalize it. So it doesn't feel like it's me arguing against you. It's about, we are arguing about this topic or idea. I like right? that. Like okay. both ways. And then on an individual level, you should try to be disruptive. Like organizations in particular, I think need to value disruptive behavior as opposed to just saying like, we're all disruptors all in the same exact direction, <laughs> right? Like individual disruption should be valued. Yeah. I think. Yep. I agree. I'm going to yeah. do it. 
I'll let you know yeah, after good my first example. Yeah. Also, next I, time she'll be fired. So we'll see. <laughs> well, so my, we, I just, when I went to Mexico, I don't know if we talked about this, but how my friend got all the um, David quotes from, um, from Schitt's Creek. And I feel like in order to help me do that, I want to um, use his quotes to be a disruptor. Ew, David. Ew, David. No, but <laughs> um, if someone asked me for help, I'm going to be like, literally, you can ask. No, literally, you can ask anybody else but me. <laughs> I'm concerned that if, if I were an executive coach, I would be concerned that my feedback has gone the wrong direction. It doesn't be, mean being <laughs> obstinate. Okay. I'm just kidding. But it would be fun. Give it a try. <laughs> you could just... Throw it in there every once in a while. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you. I feel like this was a good talk. Good talk. See you next week or maybe earlier. Oh, and I did want to thank someone who, uh, before we go, I want to thank a fan who um, wrote in to us to let us know about her previous life working for Corolla One. That was really fun to read, so thank you so much. Thanks.